The reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 to 40. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created man on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire, as you have, and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation, by testings, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds, like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because you loved your forefathers and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength, to drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you, and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above, and on the earth below there is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all time. Thanks, Andrew. Well, good day, friends. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm from Albury Presbyterian Church, and I bring greetings from the soggy south. I'm going to begin again this morning with that familiar story that Jesus tells of a man who has two sons. Uh, the man, the father, he represents God, God the Father. And in the story we see that God is not just great, uh, but he's also good. He's full of grace and mercy and love. And we know this really because the younger son grabs his inheritance and runs and goes far away, squandering it all on wild living. When he returns to his dad, he finds that dad has been looking for him and longing for his return. His dad runs to him and kisses him and throws him a celebration party. That's how God uh, treats all of us, his wayward, rebellious kids. Wow, what a dad. And then there's the older son. Typical of the eldest, he's head down, butt up. He's responsible Diligent, hard-working. He's never asked Dad for anything. There's no parties for him. The older brother works like a slave, never disobeys. So he's right with his dad, isn't he? Or is he? So really, that's the reason Jesus tells this story. It's the question at the end of the story. It's the twist in the tale of Israel and their disobedience to God. Uh, Today we're actually going to be thinking a lot about obedience. Can you look like you obey, but not be in right relationship with God your Father? Can you look like you obey, but not be in right relationship with God your Father? We'll finish with that twist. But for now, we're going to rejoin Israel at the beginning of their obedience journey. So come with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy. We're going to start at chapter 4, spend most of our time in chapters 4 to 6. Uh, Obedience to God is the way of life for Israel. Uh, God tells Israel to follow, to keep, uh, to obey his commands, 
And we see that straight away in verse 1. Have a look with me there. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. Follow them, so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Uh, Pretty straightforward again. Israel is to listen, to follow, to obey. Why? Well, for one thing, as you keep reading, God's plan is bigger than just Israel. Uh, Through Israel, God will make known to all the nations that he is the one and only God. The nations are to get jealous of the relationship between God and Israel. Uh, and they're supposed to give up their idols and turn to the living God. So Israel must not turn to man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot hear or eat or smell. Uh, these idols, these gods, they don't even have the basic instincts and senses that animals do. They're weak, powerless, pathetic, man-made idols. If Israel turned to them, they run away from the true and living God who gives life, and they'll die. But when they turn back to the Lord Yahweh, exclusively, they'll find his embrace is merciful, faithful to his promises. Israel should listen, follow, obey the Lord Yahweh. Because, to put it simply, he is the one and only God. Have a look at me. Chapter 4, verse 35. Verse 35. You were shown these things so you might know. Better keep up with my slides. You were shown these things so you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. Verse 39. Acknowledge and take to heart this day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land. The Lord your God gives you for all time. Yahweh, Israel's God, is the one and only God. There's a path that leads to death. Trust and obey anything or anyone other than this God and it leads to death. There's a path that leads to life. Trust and obey the one and only God and it leads to life. Trust and obey. It's really the way of life for Israel. How will Israel navigate this path? Well, the next few chapters give three keys. They're going to listen, listening, loving, remembering. Chapter 5 begins with listening. Have a look at me. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 1. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, Israel, hear, listen, Israel. Take notice, pay attention. Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. I'm not doing a very good job of this, have I? That's the one. Sorry? Okay. See the key words there? Hear, learn, follow. Uh, Listening is really more active than just simply hearing. Uh, Listening is hear, listen, learn, follow. Uh, But before Israel hear God's commands, the things they have to obey, before they hear his commands, they hear something else. Uh, The Lord Yahweh says something really important. Have a look here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. See, before they hear commands, Israel hear how God has saved them. Why is that? Well, it's because salvation comes before obedience. It's really important, isn't it? Listening, learning and following commands is not what saves Israel. 
God saves Israel before they obey. God brings Israel into relationship with him without them deserving it. They're not special. They're not a bigger or better people. God simply chooses them and saves Israel and gives them life. Israel's relationship with God is a gift from God. It's a matter of grace. And Israel need to hear that. Their obedience never earns their relationship with God. Relationship with God is only always because he's loving. He lovingly, graciously chooses undeserving people. We tend to give our love only to those people we think deserve it, don't we? We make people earn our love. And so we put that idea on God. If we obey, then God will accept us. Obedience earns his favour. Obedience buys his love. But God is not like that. He is love, pure love. He chooses to love unlovable people. So before Israel gives, uh, God gives Israel the Ten Commandments, he reminds them of this. They know they're already in relationship with God like a father and his son. So that's really what Israel is to listen to first. Saved first. Grace first. That's really the premise of the Ten Commandments. And then the Ten Commandments give boundaries to protect an already existing relationship. The first four are do-nots. And they protect the relationship. Uh, The commandments of no other gods, no idols. It protects the exclusive nature of the relationship with God. The command to bring, uh, not bring God's name into disrepute, again, protects the honour of God in this relationship. The first two do-nots of the Ten Commandments protect the relationship between Israel and God. And then the fourth commandment is a do, isn't it? The don'ts make sure the relationship isn't broken. The do strengthens the relationship. And there's nothing like setting aside time to strengthen relationships, is there? So God commands a Sabbath. One day at the end of the week, like God did back at creation. One day in seven to rest and rejoice and remember who God is and what God's done. Uh, No other nation gets weekends and holidays with their God and each other. A Sabbath invests in and strengthens the relationship. Not just with God, but with one another as well. So the Sabbath law really finishes the first four and begins the next six. The first four focus on the relationship with God. And then the last six focus on the one another relationships in Israel. Honour your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. That's the way of life for Israel. Ten great commandments. They form the core of all the commandments for Israelite life. It's the way of life with God and with each other. And so chapter 5 ends... So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Uh, Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper. Prolong your days in the land that you will possess. 
the way of life for Israel begins with listening to God's word. Listening carefully. So obedience is not for salvation, but in response to salvation. Listening means Israel knows what to do. Don't do what God says not to do, and do what he says to do. Obedience begins with listening. But listening by itself is not enough. And so Moses turns from listening to loving. Come with me to chapter 6. Have a look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. See why Israel had to obey? It's not a legalistic, contractual obedience. Certainly not cynical, calculating, self-serving obedience. It's not transactional. It's wholehearted obedience. Why are Israel to obey? Because they love God and so love his ways. Heartfelt, loving obedience. So when Israel obeys, they're really just living up to their side of the relationship. Obedience is right. That's why Moses says at the end of chapter 6, And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, that will be our righteousness. See, God loves Israel. He acts first. And Israel is to love him back. And so trust him. And so obey him. Their faith, their trusting that produces obedience is right. It's right living in right relationship with God. Obedience is really the fruit of faith that comes by listening to God's word. And obedience is the fruit of faith that comes by loving God and his ways. And third, obedience is the fruit of faith that comes by remembering God's word and his work. Anyone here a bit prone to forget? Anyone need regular reminders about things? Well, apparently Israel did too. Have a look with me as chapter 6 continues. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kind of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig and vineyards and old groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God says to Israel, be careful, it's in the good times that you'll be prone to forget my great work of salvation. And of course, when you forget, that's when bad habits develop and disobedience creeps in. And not to mention, if one generation forgets, well, the next don't even get to listen. So he keeps keeps going, chapter 6, verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Israel must not forget God's words. Not now and not in the future. And they must not forget God's saving work either. Chapter 6 and verse 20. 
In the future, when your son asks you what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. Generation after generation, Israel is to remember God's words and his saving work. It's the way of life for Israel. Day in, day out, parents and kids together, talking as they sit and walk and lie down and get up. Memory aids that they can carry and others that they pass multiple times a day. Did you get the idea? Israel is saved to be in relationship with Yahweh, the one and only God. Israel's response is to trust and obey. And obedience is really the fruit of faith. Listen, love, remember. Obedience is the fruit of faith that comes by listening to God's word. It's the fruit of faith that comes by loving God and his ways. Obedience is the fruit of faith that comes by remembering God's words and his saving work. That was God's way of life for Israel back then. And so for us now, it's really an example and a warning as we think about the way of life for us. God's instructions to Israel are a model of obedience for us. Uh, The model is not the commandments themselves. The model is to do as Israel was supposed to do. Listen to God's words. Love God and his ways. Remember God's word and his saving work. So first up, how do we listen to God's words? Well, the first thing to realise for us is that God has spoken a new word since Moses. One standout event in the life of Jesus is that he is transfigured between Moses and Elijah. That's significant in terms of God's word. Moses represents the law and Elijah, the prophets. And Jesus represents, well, himself. The law the prophets, and Jesus. And this is what God says. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then after God speaks, the law and the prophets vanish. And only Jesus remains. Now we can and we should still hear from the law and the prophets. That's what we're doing this morning as we listen to Deuteronomy. We can see models and examples and warnings from them. But God says the time has come to stop listening to Moses and Elijah for our way of life. Now we listen to Jesus. It's for this reason that the book of Hebrews begins. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. God now speaks by Jesus. Obedience to God begins by listening to Jesus. And so today let's listen particularly to what Jesus says about obeying the Ten Commandments. Uh, Some Pharisees and teachers of the law test Jesus about the commandments. They ask, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replies this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. See, the, the Ten Commandments and all the case law of the Old Testament really come down to this. Love God and love others. How do we know? Well, Jesus said so. And now we listen to Jesus. Are you listening to Jesus? He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Are you listening to Jesus? He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are you listening to Jesus? Of course, there's no way we'll obey Jesus' command to love others if we're not in personal loving relationship with God. Obedience is born of listening, but it only grows mature by loving. Do you love God and his ways? Do you know God personally to be gracious, merciful, forgiving, compassionate? Are you in personal relationship with God that is it's not based on earning his favour? Do you see that his love is vast as an ocean? He pours it out on undeserving people like us. Do you obey him because you love him? The way of life for us is through Jesus listening to God's word and through Jesus loving God and his ways. And third, through Jesus remembering God's saving work. In his first letter to Christians in the first century, uh, John writes this. No. I'm not even doing this very well, am I? I'm just going to read it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. And then he writes, it's going to be here somewhere. We might have to turn that one off. Then he writes this. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's the mighty work of God that we must never forget, friends. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's the way of life for us, day in, day out, talking about Jesus as we walk together, as we work together. With memory aids, you might carry verses about Jesus on the fridge, on the back of the toilet door. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Obedience, it's born of listening, matures by loving, endures by remembering. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I began today with the story of a man who had two sons. Remember that man prepares a party? The younger son, the rebel, he knows he's undeserving, but he's lovingly thankful to his dad 
And so he goes in to the party. The older son, he's not thankful at all. He says to his dad, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered all your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. The older son sounds entitled, doesn't he? Feels mistreated. He thinks of himself more of a slave than a son. He's obedient, but he's not lovingly obedient. The relationship with dad is more legal than personal. Dad comes to him and he says, come in. But the older son doesn't listen to dad's words. Dad pours out his grace and mercy and compassion on the lost son. And the older son, he doesn't love him like his dad loves him. Dad sacrifices and clothes and restores his dead and lost son. And the older son just racks up all that he's done. Looks at the work of his father to give life to his brother and he despises it. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Friend, the tragic tale of Israel is that they turn relationship with the one and only God into mere slavish outward obedience. And that's our great danger the longer we're Christian. We can look like we obey, but not be in right relationship with God, our Father. We know the do's and don'ts, but there's no heartfelt love. We start to think we're deserving of God's love. And so there's no real love for Dad and his words, his ways, or his saving work. We become entitled. Our relationship is more legal than personal, transactional, slavishly calculating, careful not to disobey so that we might stay in his good books and hopefully get to heaven. And that's not the way of life with the one and only God. We come into his party undeserving. Simply by trusting he is gracious, merciful, forgiving, full of compassion. Hear the warning today about obedience. It's got to be from the heart. Could it be that you despise the saving work of God? Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we could be called the children of God. Wow. And that is what we are. It's the way of life with the one and only God. Don't be like the old brother. Don't refuse to go in, will you? Please pray with me. Loving and gracious Father, we do thank you that uh, yeah, you have given us the scriptures, the models and the examples of your Old Testament people, Israel. Thanks that we can learn uh, lessons from that physical example. Thank you, Father, that you are right and just in all your ways. Your commands are good for the best life. Now, please forgive us 
when we forget just how good and great you are. We stop trusting you and we disobey. Now please help us to keep growing in our loving obedience of you through Jesus, your son. Please grow us. Give us your spirit to help us keep walking in step with you in right relationship. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.